What's happening, everybody? We have one heck of a show today. Welcome to Across the Chains. Is the bear market nearing a close? We are going to discuss. Avalanche has big product release. We're going to talk about that. The Treasury Department fears DeFi, and we got the proof. Sailor wants all the Bitcoin. That is for sure. Listen, if you love the content, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. Mikey, bring us in. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, gentlemen. How are you? Pretty good. How you doing, man? How are you? I'm doing great. It's Friday. I'm. Uh, it's been a good week, and uh, things are things are things are well. What's, Clay, that's uh, a that's a funky looking room, my man. Do you bring yeah. women back to that room? That looks <laughs> like some 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 weird shit happens in this that is, room. This uh, is. I'm, I'm channeling my inner SBF, man. Um, <laughs> I, uh, but don't channel I, it too much. Yeah, exactly. that could be bad. That's very true. No, I, uh, I, I just wanted to bring a little, a little cool podcast style and, uh, and, and jazz it up a bit. I'm gonna hang the block bites, uh, light and you know above my head at some point. So good stuff. Oh, very we nice. Got, uh, we got good things going on. So I love, I love the little masthead for today's show where uh, it's just the three of us. And it might, it's it's like it's like we shot the other two or something. It's like it's like those pictures of of Stalin where like people keep disappearing, right? Yeah, man, we <laughs> we, we we roll with what we have, and uh, and honestly, I'm excited about it, guys. We've got uh, some really really good topics today, and there's a ton to go through, and uh, you know we'll we'll channel all of our differing opinions and see where we land, and that's the best part about the show. So uh, the, the rest the the rest are in the they're in a timeout. They were long doge. That's so that's right. That's right. So Mark Clay and I took a vote and we said there needs to be consequences to stupidity. And they'll be back next week. They'll be no back. Doge. It's all good. So um welcome everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Hit the like button, share the tweets, let people know the show's going on. Uh, and let's get into it, gentlemen. And so I want to start. Uh, with Gary Gensler, uh, it's not it's not a topic, but we got to play his latest video. Uh, nothing, nothing, you know, nothing has changed. Let's put it that way. But I just enjoy uh, I, I enjoy a good Gensler video. So let me. Uh... You've been criticized by some for regulating cr the crypto industry by enforcement policy rather than by proposing rules. Why have you to date been reluctant to propose new rules to govern crypto? It's pretty straightforward. There already are rules. They're called the securities laws and the securities rules. There's nothing incompatible about crypto and the current securities laws. So I think that really the goal of this agency is to bring this field into compliance. And why do we have that goal? It's so investors get the time-tested protections of our securities laws. And so uh, those companies out there, if they choose to try to avoid the law, and they're still operating in the US, they're offering products, they're offering broker-dealers or exchange, or clearing products, or staking as a service, or lending products here in the US, come into compliance, or yes, mm -hmm. uh, we're gonna be a cop on the beat. A cop on the beat, baby. You gotta love that. 
It's uh, it is. I mean, the man is is holding uh, holding true to what he says. Obviously, we saw last week the sushi swap, or maybe a week and a half ago, whenever that was, uh, the sushi swap announcement uh, with SEC um, kind of going after sushi swap. So, you know, what, like. And like what what are your thoughts on this like is it, is it obviously it's nothing new but you know is this like we're going to talk about a lot of things that are sort of crippling to crypto in the u.s but i i this, this guy man it's unbelievable this fucking guy i know he i mean look he's it's it's another week another wells notice right that's kind of the world we're living in right now and he i mean there is no way to come into compliance as we have heard from multiple parties which have tried to come into compliance and really tried hard to be good actors, most notably Coinbase, right, who have given us long, detailed explanations of their quest to come into compliance and the the various Kafka-esque ways in which they, they just sort of get bounced around in a system that says do X, but there is no way to do X. And so, uh, you know, look, Gary's, Gary's, Gary is not being honest. He is not being, he's not being honorable is probably a better way to put it. And he, he is not engaging in an honorable fashion with the industry that he purports to regulate fairly. He is, in fact, um, using obfuscation and, uh, and a Kafka-esque um, bureaucracy in order to enforce his views, effectively legislate his views on the topic of crypto uh, without really that being his mandate or, or him having the actual power to do it. And so his behavior and these kinds of uh, edicts from him are nothing new. Yeah, I 100% agree, Mark. And, and I think that we all, uh, we certainly as an industry feel that way. Nick, if you were a builder uh, in DeFi, would you be in America? Would you, would you in any way, shape or form, you know, like how, how much innovation is this taking from what, you know, was once the greatest country in the world, in my opinion? Um, so if I wanted to start, if I wanted to build in the space and, 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 and run a DeFi protocol, I wouldn't live in the US. I, I have the luxury to do that. I don't have any kids. I've only you know got married a year ago. My wife like loves traveling. So it's easy for me just to go, hey, somewhere else is probably better. Uh, almost everybody, in fact, everybody that I speak to that does live in the US, that you know, some of them are, are our mutual friends that are in the business, um, they don't want to move. They either can't because they've got families or they don't want to because they like where they live and they've got no intention of leaving so the um the the, the question around the innovation you know moving overseas or, or or not not eventuating in the us i'm not sure i think it may end up pushing a lot of people out i don't see that being the case right now but if they start locking people up um, instead of just a lot of this jawboning that seems to be happening, then sure, like, you know, people don't want to be in trouble with the law and, and some, some people might need to make difficult decisions. The, I agree with Mark and, you know, he's always very consistent with his characterization of, of this Gensler guy. Um, I need more darts, by the way. Um, <laughs> yes, is, you do. Is the, the, the problem is if you listen to what he said, right, we want to protect investors and, and like, sure, that you should be doing that, right? So when everyone else listens to him, they're like, yeah, that makes sense. Crypto is really risky. 
Um, there's a lot of scams. There's a lot of exploits. There's bad actors. These companies are blowing up left, right, and center. That seems like a really risky, dangerous place for people to put money. And if you're a parent and you've got like an 18-year-old kid and you don't understand what DeFi is, and, and you start seeing these things, you're like, yeah, you guys need to, you guys need to do something because my son just lost his ten thousand dollars on mm. blah blah blah, and and you guys aren't protecting the investors. So the the mission of protecting investors is is a true one. Obviously, we know better. You know, the execution matters. They don't do a very good job of protecting investors in in all the other markets that they regulate. Um, besides what they say, they do a better job of regulating the equities markets than the DeFi markets. Um, but using that as the framing of the argument is disingenuous. Um, and to Mark's point, there are no rules. He says that, you know, that there is nothing inherent about crypto that makes it incompatible with existing securities laws. Well, you know, why don't you just tell Coinbase what, how you want them to operate and they'll do it. If we are to believe Coinbase... Um, and, and it's very difficult not to believe them because they are a publicly listed company. And I don't think the head legal counsel or the CEO would come out publicly and say, we met with them on this date, this date, this date. We sent them this letter, this letter, and that letter. I don't think they're lying, right? Because they can get in a lot of trouble if they did that as a publicly, as, as executives in a publicly listed company. So if we take Coinbase at their word, they've gone above and beyond to try and get a framework that they would that they can operate within. Tell us the rules, we'll follow. Right. Yep. So, you know, not only is Gensler framing the discussion disingenuously by saying, Yeah, we want to protect you all, but there are no rules that he's using to protect anyone. And he doesn't do a very good job protecting anyone else in any other market anyway. Um, right. so you know, it is what it is. Um, they're gonna keep coming. We've been talking about this as long as this show's been on. Um, and I think it's just a matter of people needing to stay one step ahead. I don't know if you guys saw it 30 minutes ago. Um, <clears throat> Jared uh, SushiSwap, he put mm. out a statement, basically a very brief FAQ, because we've all been asking him. He was, he was uh, um, in the chat in the show a couple of weeks ago. We've all been asking him, like, you know, what's going on? You know, who else has been subpoenaed? Has Sushi been subpoenaed? And he answers these questions in this statement. Doesn't say a lot. But at least you know he's been able to speak um, uh, briefly. He's got counsel, and and it sounds like it's a fact-finding mission. Um, that's what it looks like. Uh, right. There's been no allegations of wrongdoing um, or anything like that. But I mean, you know, J Jared's a civilian. He's an yeah. individual. You know, he was brought. I've in. met him in person here in the states. Like he's a, he's a great guy. Yeah. And and just to be clear, it's just a subpoena, which means they would like some information. Yep. Um, so anyway, this is going to be an ongoing thing. I feel like we're going to talk yep. about it every week and we'll try and stay a step ahead. Yep, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I think things like you bring up Coinbase and, and we're going to, you know, look, we're there's so many layers to this. And, and the bottom line is the U.S. Department of Treasury fears DeFi and the Fed fears DeFi and the United States money printer fears uh, decentralized finance. And so that plays largely into Gensler's positioning i guarantee and also um you know in, in reality like persecution without regulation is tyranny and that's basically the way that this has gone down and yeah, so no question 
It's, yeah, it's Clay, actually, yeah. the other thing I want to point out, uh, Nick just made a really excellent point, which I forgot about. Mm-hmm. So you guys remember like a couple of weeks ago, or I guess now probably a month ago, I did that presentation at the LA CEO group, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, on our world on web three. And <clears throat> at the end of it, I had a bunch of people come up to me and, and, and the vibe was pretty much like, wow, that this DeFi world sounds super cool. And like, it could actually do a lot of good for the world. And, and we didn't know it was like this. We thought it was like all scammers and, you know, evil people doing evil things. Like that's their impression of it. And that surprised me. I was like, no, I can't believe that that's, you know, that was sort of your base assumption and base vibe uh, about this whole space. But it is. There's a lot of people out there for whom that is their base reference point. All they know is all they know is Luna. Right. All they know is SPF. Right. It's just, oh, look at that space. It's evil people doing evil things. That's it. That's all they know. They don't understand that the you know the core the raw power of DeFi and the raw good the progressive nature that's just baked into the atoms of how it works and you know using capitalism to you know democratize acts democratize the profits of banks and exchanges amongst all the people but it's not socialism it's capitalism like that that is something that they don't understand so and and I, I think the you know one of the best ways we can fight this is by educating people because when they do understand uh what this is and how it works their eyes just light up right and uh and it's it's kind of magical and we just got rugged by clay <laughs> so here he we appeared? uh he just maybe he, right maybe, maybe he was long doge as well mark and there was <laughs> then there was two did you punish did you to send him to the phantom zone also is there like a so little funny you know the, what is that in the uh, the old superman movies you get when you go to the Phantom Zone, you're in the, the little box. So. Yeah, they're locked away. We'll let them out soon. Um, anyway, I, I guess he'll be back. Yeah, so I mean, you know, Gensler's gonna Gensler. Um, people need to stay ahead of it. Here he comes, Clay's back. Hey, uh, I'm I'm officially back. finding a new Wi-Fi provider from besides Spectrum starting after the show. Anyway, yeah. I'm back. Thank God. Uh so um, that was not a topic, but it is worth mentioning. Um, and, and I think, you know, I've said this before, if you push too far and you push too hard, uh, people will take notice and, and people will fight back. And, and Coinbase is one of the leaders that's going to fight back, uh, and is fighting back. And, I, and I'm happy to see them, um, backing, uh, you know, giving support for the, the ongoing lawsuit against Tornado Cash, uh, among a handful of others in this space doing the same um and so anyway so we'll, we'll get it you know so we'll see where this goes but always love a good gensler video uh hey by the way if you're if you're watching this nick has been uh kind enough to give away another revelo intel um membership if you haven't checked out the platform it's fantastic uh type in hashtag revelo into the chat i will do a raffle uh at the end of the show and nick will figure out how to uh, facilitate that so nick thank you uh for being so generous my friend yeah, it's a really great service, by the way. And I'm not being paid by Nick to say this. I use it. Um, and just it, basically you get like these sort of cliff notes of all the podcasts that are going on and it'll save you hours and hours. I love going in there and just being like, oh my God, something I'm researching, the the, the sort of bite-sized cliff notes are right there. Very, it's very, it's very clean and very easy to ingest. Unlike, you know, I like Delphi Digital also, but they give you big, long reports, right? That's like, that's like the Dickens novel. And this is like the cliff notes of the Dickens novel. So it's a lot, lot nicer. Mark, I don't know if you've seen, but um, a couple of days ago, I think yesterday, actually, the team published a breakdown on Bitcoin. It's 220 pages. 
I, I, it, I couldn't stop it until it was too late. Um, they said, yeah, look, it's going to be a long one. I'm like, okay, great. 220 pages. So that should be fun. We do these long form project breakdowns as well. But um, my pleasure, guys. And thanks it's, for the kind words, Mark. It is, it's a light read, my friends. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's get into the first topic of the day, my friends. Uh, the, so, so is the bear market nearing an end? And that is where we want to start. And I'm sure there's going to be some varying opinions. Uh, un- the, the, the jobs numbers came in today. Not, not, not much changed. Not, not great. They're still, uh, still pretty strong. And so I think the Fed's work is probably not over. But uh, I talked this week on The Daily Show. And if you guys haven't, if you watch this show and you're not watching The Daily Show, live every day at noon, tune in. Uh, it's literally what's going on that day. And it's been a lot of fun. Uh, so... Um, you know, I, I talked about this on the daily show. So five things that kind of stood out to me, uh, over the past week. So last week, all major markets had their best weekly gains for the year. The S and P is up, uh, 20% from its October bottom lows. And that's led by the tech sector, which is, was absolutely crushed. Um, and so, you know, I think, uh, historically like 33% reductions are usually, uh, indicators that, you know, we've actually turned the corner. Um, but 20% up is good. Uh, the rate hikes are, are getting smaller, 25 basis points. I think we probably see another one, particularly now with the job numbers, but uh, still not bad. The dollar is losing strength. There's a handful of reasons for that. That's good for Bitcoin. Um, inflation, CPI, PPI, PCE, they all came in better than expected in Feb. Uh, and consumer sentiment is still super depressed. And so those are their, and I gave longer explanations on those, but those are five things to me um, that are sort of net positive for where we're headed. And so, you know, I, I will open it up there and I've got some screen shares um, and and different things uh, that I want to go through. But Nick, you put out a tweet and we'll start here. So this is what happens at the end of a cycle and it doesn't happen all at once or quickly. And it was effectively um, highlighting the corporate bank- bankruptcy filings in the first two months of the year hitting a 12 year high, which months ago you said we will, you know, the way this is going to go is we're going to see uh, rates rates rise, uh, people get laid off, and then we're going to see corporate earnings start to get really, really bad. Uh, and when corporate earnings start to get bad, this is what happens. Um, and so, you know, so I haven't seen you use language like this, and 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 I'm reading into your language, and I don't know if you meant it, but end of cycle. Uh, tell us your thoughts, and, and and what did you mean by this? Yeah. So. When you have favorable economic conditions, a lot of events occur in that environment. It's easy to raise money. It's easy to get credit. Um, Because your competitors raise money, you go and raise money. They hire people. You hire people. Everything kind of gets on steroids, right? It's like there's a reason we call them bubbles. Um, But... When we say a bubble, most people think, well, that's a terrible thing. Is it a bubble? Isn't it a bubble? Wrong question. All of these things inflate and deflate. There's always a bubble. It's just how pronounced is it? So as these things start to unwind, the opposite happens. Um, Your earnings get hit so that you fire some people. Now that you've fired some people, you're able to run a little leaner than your competition. So your competition fires people. So literally the opposite happens. So when I say the end of the cycle, that's what I mean. We're in, we're in, we're in the period of the cycle where 
all of this stuff is going to get unwound. Just to give you some some numbers on on the point that you made in this tweet. Um, so between January and February of 2023, this year, 111 um, bankruptcies were filed in those two months. The last time that happened, 114 was 2011. Yep. It was 164 in 2010. Um, and these things just take some time to, to, to play out. Why? Because no one wants to go bankrupt. So what they do is they fight, they try and get credit, they cut employees. Like, you know, these are people, they run businesses. It's not some video game where something just explodes. There are active people trying to affect these outcomes and some of these businesses will survive, others will not. So once you see, and by the way, in 2022, that number was 49, right? So that was the lowest level of corporate bankruptcies for January and February, um, as far back as this data goes, which I can only see up to 2010, right? So 2022, you had the best year ever, and now something needs to, it's a spree, right? Something needs to happen on the other end. So I've been talking about this for a while. I, I did, I, I kind of do a quarterly macro outlook um, every quarter, because what I'm trying to do is understand what happens three to six months out. That's how I invest my capital. My trades usually have one to three month durations. And if I can work out what happens in six months, I can make a ton of money. So every quarter I sit down and I try and work that out. I write a report. It's not public, it's just for myself. And I've got three themes um, that I think we need to see, we're going to see over the next three to six months. The first one is something I've been talking about for the better part of a year, and that is a profit recession. Corporate earnings are going to get annihilated. Um, the reason they're going to get annihilated is there's an economic slowdown. Credit conditions are tightening up. Um, consumer credit is at all-time highs. So what that means is people don't have disposable income to maintain their lifestyle. So they go and they hit their credit cards. That yeah. only lasts so long until you need to start paying those credit cards back and the interest, interest rates are going up at 21 22% on credit cards. So these things take a few quarters to kind of work themselves out. Um, so corporate profitability is going to get really bad. Um, and see, it's going to start now. See example on screen. Like I, the one point I was going to make in your, in the, in the, of the 111 that have filed bankruptcy, not the, you haven't heard of really many of them, but look at like, look at this. Samsung was 66% off. Uh, wow. one earnings. Uh, so corporate probability. Yeah, it's happening, my friend. So, so that, and, I had this pulled up before you even said that. So continue on. And there are companies around the world that you can use as a proxy for the global economy, right? Yep. Companies like Apple, companies like Google, companies like FedEx. Nike, Adidas, Samsung, FedEx. Samsung's a big company. So <laughs> to miss your numbers by 66%. And by the way, when they say they missed by 66%, what did they miss? They missed consensus analyst projections. Now, these are buy-side analysts, right? Uh, <clears throat> they don't know what they're doing. And they do corporate business. They, they, they do investment banking business with these companies. So anyway, when you look at the, the consensus analyst um, projections right now, they need to come down. And they need to come down 20 30 50% in a lot of cases. So when... <laughs> When you see Samsung miss by 66%, they miss these idiot estimates. 
So once you start seeing estimates go down, they get revised. Right. Moving into earnings, the stocks get hammered. And then when earnings are released, if they're worse than expected, the stocks get hammered again. So that's number one. I've been, I've been saying this for months. It's gonna it's, it's about to get very, very ugly on the corporate profitability side. Number two is when you have such favorable economic conditions, people get comfortable. They, they, they overextend themselves. Um, credit is easy. When that unwinds, there is stress building up in the system, right? Interest rates are going up. You owe money. What are you going to do? At the same time as your repayments are going up, whether you're a business or an individual or a household, um, your, your repayments are going up, but your revenue is decreasing at the same time. So these kind of things build stress in the credit markets, right? So the same way you're going to see corporate profitability get body bagged, there is going to be some kind of credit event, right? It, it could be in the GFC, it was around real estate. The commercial real estate market yeah. is very, very interesting for all the wrong reasons right now. Because yeah, yeah. a lot of these loans, a lot of these loans were originated over the last three years, okay? And they uh, they got two or three years fixed, and then it kicks off into a variable rate. And, and these commercial real estate deals, they get underwritten very, very precisely. Um, and if you happen to have some vacancies in your portfolio, when your loans roll off the fixed portion, they start to hit variable, you're screwed. Yep. You've got to sell the building. Um, so there's a lot of reasons why some kind of credit event will eventuate. And so I'm deploying capital based on those two themes. Yeah. Um, and, and number three, which is quite relevant to what we're here to discuss, which is crypto, is in these environments, right? I don't have a crystal ball, but I can read. Um, I can read. So Fair I look event. at history. Yeah, I yeah. look at history. I look at what happened last time. You put these ingredients into a bowl. What the hell came out the other side? And what you want to be is you want to be long gold, right? That is that that is the one asset that um, that performs very, very well in that it doesn't go down when these shocks to the system happen. So now we have Bitcoin, right? <laughs> we didn't have Bitcoin when we went, you know, in the 80s and the 70s and the 60s when these things would happen. So if you're going to be long gold, which I am, then you should probably also be long Bitcoin in this environment, which I also am. I've started increasing my Bitcoin position. I actually owned more gold than Bitcoin, uh, a lot more gold than Bitcoin over the last six to nine months. That's starting to change because of these three things. So I'll, I'll just pause there. There's more we can say, but I'm sure yeah. Mark's got something I to think say. That's, well. that's, that's, a, that's, that's a really good assessment. I, look, I think the REITs, I talked about this on Daily Show a couple of weeks ago. I think that the REITs market and, uh, and the ETFs that are involved in REITs, particularly in smaller banks who are already um, seeing uh, in, you know, potential insolvency are going to get crushed. And so I, I think from a real estate perspective, we're going to have a very different type of, of collapse. Uh, it's not going to be residential. It's not going to be subprime loan. It's going to be, uh, you know, mass REIT uh, and, and commercial is my perspective on it. So Mark, um, I'll kick it over to you if you have anything to add here. Yeah, I got a couple thoughts. <clears throat> so question is, is the, is the bear market over and are we uh, headed back up again? Um, so for, first observation, so I went to the all in summit, uh, I, I guess it was like it's half a year ago now or something like that. Uh, anyway, David Sachs, uh, was there and he, he had his, his thought was, 
he said something interesting. He said that crypto sops up all available spare cash, right? So by that, he meant if we're like in a quantitative easing uh, kind of, you know, where the money printing is going on and it's flowing the companies and it's flowing the people, uh, a lot of that goes into crypto. And that's why the market goes up uh, primarily. And uh, I didn't really want to believe that at the time. Um, I'm not sure if he's right or not, but it's it's that is his view on it, and, it's, and it is an interesting observation. Um, however, something new is happening right now with Bitcoin, right? So it's up 70% for the year, uh, while the rest of the market is is you know basically tanking or remaining sort of you know on on life support, right? So and that's new. Usually the usually Bitcoin tracked with what the market was doing. And it, we are definitely seeing a new behavior out of it um, right now, I think, to me, for the very first time, uh, which refutes what David Sachs was saying at the All-In Summit. So, uh, but but it is a new behavior. So he may have been right then, uh, but I, I don't think he's right anymore. And specifically in the case of Bitcoin, not really the rest of crypto. Um, however, DeFi, to me, it feels like it's the same dollars just kind of sloshing around in the same pool. So new things come out, come out, money flow into them, but the money comes out of other things and to, to go into the new thing, right? So it doesn't really, it doesn't feel like there's new money entering the DeFi universe right now. Yeah. Um, so that that that's bad. So I don't, I don't think we're sort of out of the mud there yet. Um, and then there's some other, then there's two other new dynamics. There's bricks, right? So, um, you know, we basically got, you know, a quad, you know, Brazil, Russia, India and China all talking about doing, you know, they're, they're going to release their own token, right? So they're launching a token together. Um, that is, that's, is, that's in talks right now, but they're pretty serious about it and they want to get off the dollar, right? They're, they're tired of our token. And, um, and you know, so that, that is a huge, huge threat to the uh, dominance and the value of the dollar. Um, so if you're in Bitcoin, uh, theoretically, and I think Nick is right, gold and Bitcoin will resist any yeah. sort of, uh, you know, any, any sort of shrinkage of the dollar. Well, um, yeah. yeah. And then, then the last, last thing dynamic that's in play, Saudi Arabia just is, is sick of our shit. Right. So yeah. they, they, they sort of snubbed Biden uh, when he tried to fly over there and they recently announced they're not really interesting in, in pleasing the U S anymore. Um, and you know, if, if the value of the dollar is, is tied in some way to it being a utility token for the Saudi oil app, and and the Saudi oil app doesn't really care about the the our U.S. dollar utility token anymore, uh, and, and is is happy to accept other utility tokens. That will cause a lot of damage to the dollar and be very bullish for Bitcoin as well. So so yep. long story short, bear market I think is over for Bitcoin. The rest of it I'm not sure yet. Yeah, I I, I tend I tend to agree. Uh, and and by the way, guys, happy uh, happy one year from the having. We are three three hundred sixty four days, five hours and twelve minutes from the next Bitcoin having. Uh, so it's a it's a good episode to be having this conversation because, as we all know, uh, the Bitcoin having generally signals some type of major market movements, uh, bull runs, things like that. Um, you know, I, I don't know. You know, look, it, like obviously, if the Fed's still raising rates, there's still more pain to come. But the rate hikes seem to be getting smaller, and the banks are broken, and they have already broken them. We're seeing corporate earn earnings uh, get absolutely body bagged as nick would like to say and so there are there are tall tell signs that the system is cracking and at some point the fed is going to have to pull back and particularly if the dixie starts to lose strength the dollar 
Um, you know, I'm not sure what the Fed pivot will be at that point. But uh, Anthony Scaramucci, who is the uh, founder of, of Skybridge Capital, s says that we're through the bear market as Bitcoin notch up 70% year to date. Uh, take Scaramucci for what you will uh, or for whatever you'd like. Uh, but that was his opinion on a Cointelegraph interview that came out three days ago. Um, so I do think that we are turning a corner. Um, I was stable clay, but I'm, I'm looking at, uh, you know, different, uh, I, with Nick, I also have increased Bitcoin exposure a lot this year, more than I ever have. Uh, and so, you know, so I, I personally believe that we are entering, um, the beginning of what will be a bull cycle for next year. The fed will back off rates, uh, in the back half of this year. And this next, um, in, in, in May, we're going to see 25 basis points. And that's what I think so will happen. So like first of all scaramucci is an idiot but but <laughs> yeah. you know bitcoin is up 70 percent year to date the, the the this are we in a bear market are we in a bull market is yep. is really not the right discussion yeah. is, which which market are we talking about right are we talking about um the equities market are we talking about bitcoin are we talking about everything that is not bitcoin um most people are interested in everything that is not bitcoin or equities that that is listening so let's take that market now when you're trying to work out whether you should be buying or shorting or doing nothing at any given moment you need to think well what are the catalysts that i expect to present to, to be presented either to the upside or the downside <clears throat> over the next 30 90 days if you think about x bitcoin the crypto market you have so many negative catalysts that are just on the precipice of, of, of presenting themselves. Um, it seems to be consensus um, around everyone in, you know, most people that know anything in, in DeFi, everyone's sources are saying the same thing. And that is that there will be criminal indictments put out against Binance and CZ imminently in a matter of weeks, this month, right? It's not just going to end with the civil suit. I don't know if this is true. I certainly don't know um, uh, for a fact. But when you're trying to work out, should I be buying Ethereum and all these other things um, over the next 30 or 60 days, you need to think, well, what are some of the bad things that could happen? That's a bad thing. You've got, we spent the first 10 minutes of this, pod, of, of, of this show talking about Gensler. That's not going to stop. That's going to yeah. intensify, right? You, you can see that they're poking, yeah? Jared's getting these subpoenas for information, fact-finding mission. There's a lot of, of reconnaissance work being done right now by the authorities to try and find holes, to try and find people to go after. So you're going to get a lot more bad news on that front. So when you're thinking about what is the balance of positive catalysts versus negative catalysts, catalysts that will push these layer one tokens or these altcoins or you know, anything involved in DeFi forward over the next two or three months, it's very difficult to come up with, well, we're in a bull market, right? Um, yeah. I think Bitcoin's different because I think the more scrutiny they put on, on, on DeFi, and we'll talk about the report that came out yesterday um, shortly, and, and, and the more stress that occurs in the banking sector and in the real economy, Bitcoin should do well in both of those scenarios because it's proven, you know, they can't seize it. They can't do all these things, right? So um, I think, could we possibly be in a bull market 
for Bitcoin. Well, it's up 70% year to date. It's only April. That's great returns. So it's outperformed almost every, pretty much anything else. Um, are the positive catalysts for Bitcoin, um, uh, uh, does it look like they're likely to happen? Well, increased regulation on everything else should push money to decentralized networks like Bitcoin. Um, so I think bull market Bitcoin, possibly, but certainly not in anything ex-Bitcoin for the reasons that I just outlined. So it's so, important to try and break up the constituency. So I, I, I agree with you halfway. Uh, so I would, I would, so I agree with you fully, but I would say it's about what does Bitcoin dominance do? Because if we look at all, all historical bull runs in this space, they've all moved the same way. We talked about this on the daily show, phase one, Bitcoin phase two, it's capital rotation, Ethereum, large caps, top 100, and then all coin season. And that's all dependent on Bitcoin dominance. So does Bitcoin hit, you know, does it go up to 50 K and then crab sideways and, and, and capital? Let me stop you, Clay. What's that? Uh, let me Please. stop you. Yeah. Right. So when you're citing the past, you need to make sure that the conditions are analogous to the current conditions. When you saw that capital allocate, that capital rotation in the past from Bitcoin to Ethereum, yep. to everything was available, else, things were well, it's because we were, we were all, we were all chasing these huge returns, right? We were, we were gambling it up. Everybody was. That's why you saw the capital rotation. The reason for buying Bitcoin today is not because you expect it to triple and give you outsized returns. It's because you expect it to protect your wealth from some of these disastrous things. It's that, a bunker. It's not, yeah, it's yeah, a bunker. It's, it's a not bunker. a rocket ship. So, so, so your, that example for me is going to be invalidated because of the, re I'm not buying Bitcoin because I'm chasing that return. I'm not looking for a 30% pump. I'm trying to allocate capital there the same way that I allocate capital to gold. I don't expect gold to triple. I just expect yeah, you, it not to go down right. when the rest of the world drops 25%. There's I, a specific I, reason. I, I, I just think the crypto markets are irrational, Nick. I, I think that if Bitcoin goes on a run and, and it goes from a market, you know, if the, if the market cap doubles because this, you know, because the, the, the price of Bitcoin doubles, the, the market is that irrational that, that it will rotate and particularly with ETH Shanghai and some of the events that are coming. I think there are, there are things that we're going to see uh, that will be catalysts for, for other things to go up as well. I'll give you a prediction. If that happens, you want to be long Bitcoin, short everything else. You make a fucking fortune. Well, and that's, and, it, it might do that. It'll get irrational, but yeah. eventually, eventually, things always rotate back to something that makes some sense. Yeah. And, and well, what you want to do, you, 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 you want to short everything, you want to buy Bitcoin and you wait nine months. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and, and it's all about Bitcoin dominance. Like it, it's, that's the, that's the bottom line. If it, if it, if it breaks up to, to 48, then you're going to see alts bleed against Bitcoin for however long it remains that way. So, um, all right, cool. So We've got uh, a lot of other things to discuss. I'm going to pull up a tab because I oftentimes pull up a screen and then you can't hear what the hell's going on. So uh, basically, Avalanche has come out with a new uh, sort of a new flavor to their subnets uh, called Evergreen Subnets. And, uh, you know, it seems like a big deal. 
They, you know, effectively are a suite for institutional blockchain, blockchain deployments, customizations. Like they do, they do a number of things that we can outline uh, and, and explain why they matter, at least uh, from the Avalanche perspective. Uh, and and is is good, you know, very bullish for ABAX. And so I'm going to play this this uh, cute little marketing video because they're always fun. But uh, let's see what it's. So yeah, so you know, so this seems this seems you know to be a a, a big deal for Avalanche. You know, they, they basically maintain the benefits of a public network deployment, uh, but enable enterprise level features on a private perspective. Uh, and you know, and a lot of things that that keep I think institutions you know out of this space is that they can't customize and build uh, you know to to their their own specific needs. Um, and so I guess, you know, the questions that I would pose to you guys and, and my, my, my thesis on the space has changed a bit over the last you know, 12 months. And, and here's why, um, you know, the, the theme of 2022 was flashy BD partnership narratives. Let's go partner with Disney. Let's go partner with, you know, Starbucks, Reddit, you know, big, big institutions. Uh, JP Morgan's going to bring. Uh, bonds onto the blockchain, you know, whatever it may be, and I'm not, and I'm not just calling out Polygon. Like you know, all all of the big blockchains were doing that, um, but we've seen a lot of that now walked back, and and I don't think that it has mattered as much as people thought that it might. Um, and so my thesis has somewhat been revised to: Is it actually better to be focusing focusing on scaling your tech to fit the right product market? when the eventual opportunity arises as opposed to what we saw in 2022 and i feel like that's what avalanche is doing here uh so mark do you agree and and what are your thoughts on on the different types of kind of what the theme of 2022 versus what i believe this probably is yeah i'll tell you what i was thinking when i saw this i was uh, sort of laughing to myself so uh back back in the uh, after the dot-com crash uh, you know, everybody stopped making websites for consumers and started focusing on corporate intranets and going, you know, corporate usage, uh, corporate usage of websites. Right. And um, but but really, you know, back then, I mean, websites want to be open. They want to be on the Web. They want to be permissionless. It, it's very similar to sort of how people are thinking about blockchains now. So Avalanche is coming along and saying, Corporations want to have blockchains inside of them for X, Y, Z purpose, and we provide the tools to do that. Well, dude, just use a database. You don't need a blockchain for 99% of whatever you're going to do behind a closed wall. You know, the, the, per, the whole point of a blockchain is that it is open and it is permissionless. It wants to be free, right? Just like the early internet, the websites that were inside corporations wanted to be free. Um, so really doing intranets, uh, was not necessarily, it just wasn't as good as doing a, a, a open website, you know, with some permissions in that open website. So, you know, I don't think it's a completely dumb idea, but I also, you know, I don't think it's the end all be all that, that they seem to think it is. 
Um, but we are, you know, Nick's right. We are in a different time or you're right. I think you, you were the one who said this. So, you know, the, the vibe right now is very different. Um, Avalanche is no longer, you know, th- uh, these big blockchains are no longer seeking the big partnerships with Facebook and Starbucks, at least like they were. That's not the, the dominant narrative now. I think you're right about that. Um, and, you know, so you, you, if you're trying to survive a winter, you, you change your spots, you become a chameleon. Uh, or, or the other answer is, is that you have a war chest that's big enough that you keep building the consumer application. So by the, by the time, you know, the, the equivalent of 2006 or 2007 rolls around like it did for the web, uh, you are positioned to be the Google, the Facebook, the Amazon. Uh, but that takes a war chest and it takes faith to keep building in the bear market uh, with your consumer offering. So, uh, you know, the, the last point is, you know, these subnets... Uh, I, you know, I, I think the phantom guys converted me when we, when we uh, hung out with them and, and I guess it was in January. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a big issue with the subnets is that liquidity is fragmented and you, it's still basically like you have to move across bridges, even within these subnets, it's easier to do, but it's, it's not readily, the liquidity is not readily available from one subnet to the other. So I, I'm not so sure that these sort of little islands are the best idea. Yeah. Um, phantom may actually be correct. Yeah, yeah, vertical vertical scaling in, in one enterprise solution with everything on the same uh, same blockchain, and unless you're on Shimmer, which is bridgeless and feeless across layer ones and layer twos, <laughs> which is a different take on <laughs> Avalanche's approach. But uh, but what I do agree with this, uh, you know, from, from this to what you can see, and I can see it because I zoomed in, uh, you know, if you are an institution, you you do need control, and you do need the the typical controls found in in the private solutions. Um, you know, servers effectively, as you mentioned, um, and and increasingly, and we're going to talk about you know the risk ass- assessment of DeFi from the U.S. Treasury. Like, if, if we think that KYC and and uh, and and all those sort of things are going away, then you're you're insane. And I believe that after all of this chaos we've seen through the last you know nine months, um, and all the the kind of dark marks on this on this space, a lot of major corporations have said. Eh, we're going to distance ourselves. Like that's not something we want to be a part of uh, at this time. And so, from an avalanche perspective, you know, having uh, permissioning based on KYC and standards, go- uh, geofencing, uh, which obviously you know, for the United States is going to be huge, depending on what you're trying to do. Um, you know, I, I think it, a lot of it makes sense. And and so, I have shifted my thoughts to flashy partnerships are great to. Uh, you know, build the best tech that that meets the needs of, uh, and it also depends on what what do you want your blockchain to be, right? Is this are you building uh, DeFi applications for the future of, of retail, or are you trying to do something like this? So, um, so that's kind of my perspective on it, and I think that it you know it, it could bode well for them uh, in in the bigger picture because corporations have a ton of compliance and and requirements, and then and that seems to be what this is. And I agree with you, Mark. The liquidity silo thing is 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 a, a challenge for sure so nick any any thoughts on this i've got very little to add other than i think the market um is digesting these kind of things in a more rational way than they used to um you know avalanche hasn't moved when this was released in terms of price or anything like that it's not mm. viewed as a game changer or this is going to bring you know a billion people to 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 crypto or anything like that. So it seems like they're taking an approach of building some tooling 
that could potentially be useful um, to companies, to private institutions. Um, my approach to this is, okay, great. Um, I'll, I'll keep up to date with it and I'll see if anyone starts using it, right? Yep. I mean, it's it's it, for me, it's the devil's in the details and, and you know, uh, uh, I don't really care about announcements anymore. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of the short way, my, my, my kind of low IQ response is, okay, great. Let's see if anyone uses it. Yeah, I mean... I this isn't a market to care about announcements. The the market does not respond to announcements in these, you know, in this economic scenario of which we are in. And so that, that makes sense. Uh, I, but I do think that the shift to, to building tech, that's going to fit the future, be it probably more Absolutely. regulated. That, like it looks great. Yeah. It looks great, but we're reading an announcement. Yeah. It's kind of my point. It looks right. fantastic. I think, I think, um, you know, the, the, the look, corporations, companies, uh, uh, small and large, are going to use this technology, right? It, it's just, it solves a lot of, it, it's a better mousetrap in so many different use cases. Um, and, and companies like AVAX and others are going to try and build infrastructure to service those needs. So, you know, again, it sounds fantastic. I'm sure it'll work. But are these are companies going to go build their own thing? Are they going to, is AWS going to provide this tooling? Like, it's just very early days. So I, I, I'm like, okay, that looks interesting. It looks great. But, um, you know, show me the dollars. Show me the usage. Show Com me the adoption. And then I'll become more interested. Companies will, will do their own thing and they will fail. And then they will, and then they will go to the, the blockchains. Then uh, I, that's, that's my prediction because it's uh, hard. It's hard I've, to I've do. Seen it happen time and time again. Like they, they, they always try to engineer this stuff thinking they can pull it off. And and they usually don't. So this was an interesting article that came out, and, and then I, I, we don't have time to really really go down this road. But uh, it was it was you know in relation to the avalanche thing, uh, Goldman and BlackRock uh, embraced tokenization even as on chain bonds branded as a failure. So um, you know effectively the article goes on to say that you know the bond market is a two hundred trillion dollar market. There is a very tiny fraction, uh, 1.5 uh, billion of digital on-chain bonds in the past year, which is fit, you know, effectively nothing. And so, you know, the author was posing this as a failure to transition to 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 digitizing bonds, but it's also so early. Like I think it's I think like I, I think this is a a uh, an overreaction because you're trying to move a market that's been around for you know 100 years. Uh, to, to a new technology. And so you know, it sort of goes on to say that at, at the end of the day, um, you know, that really all this is, is an additional sort of layer, um, you know, on top of what they already have. And it's also an additional cost. And so, you know, so that, that, that was the way that this was posed. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Um, but that to me, like, like this is, you know, what, what, what Avalanche is trying to do is something that would fit you know, in this framework. And so we'll see if there's actually the possibility to, to, to pull this off. But uh, I, I think we can probably leave it there. And uh, Mark, I, I, I want to get into the, uh, the U.S. Department of Treasury risk assessment um, conversation because I know that you actually probably, I think, read it front to back, uh, which I did. kudos to you, my friend. Uh, so I'm going to let you give the summary because you, my friend, are probably uh, more, more in depth than I am there. Yeah, so the Treasury Department released a report on DeFi 
And um, it, it was, you know, I, I guess uh, uh, President Biden ordered that, you know, or, all of his departments to produce uh, kind of position papers on on crypto. And uh, the Treasury, this is the, the, one of the first things we've seen out of the Treasury Department on decentralized finance or DeFi. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's like a 30 or 40 page report. Um, it's pretty dense. It's actually pretty well written. Uh, I will also say that it's also not massively negative. Um, you know, I was kind of surprised. I thought it'd be more negative uh, based on some of the things I was hearing. Um, I read through it and there are negative parts to it, but it is not overall negative. Yeah. Um, so some of the, the yeah, so sort of the top level points, they, they don't think decentralization is really real, right? So their, their position is everything is really kind of centralized. Um, and when you really dig down deep, there's, you know, there's some people and uh, who launched the thing and who largely control it either through, uh, you know, if, if there's a collect, if there's a concentration of token ownership in a DAO, well, really those token holders that have, you know, that have the most tokens, they're really in control of the thing. So they're in charge, right? So they're basically like, look, these people are supposed to be uh, complying with KYC and AML laws and, and they're not, and there are actual people who could comply. Um, and there are other instances where <clears throat> the individuals who are running things intentionally obfuscate their involvement uh, or make it difficult to figure out who they are, either through anonymity or, you know, or other means. <clears throat> and they go through a bunch of cases where that's the case. And, um, you know, the, the other, the other big thing that they do is they bring up, they sort of raise boogeymen a lot. Right. So they're like, why, why is this a problem? And they bring up North Korea. They're like, well, North Korea is laundering money a lot. Mm. Um, and really that was for, to me, the weakest part of it, because it was like, they were straining to, uh, to find reasons why they should clamp down on the space and why it's a threat, right? So, and it basically boiled down to North Korea and hacks where, you know, very famously, you know, uh, they did, even in this report, they were forced to admit that 99% of crimes are committed with regular banks uh, and fiat currencies where there is, where they, they do, you know, where the regulations do reign supreme and where KYC AML is in fact rigorously imposed and followed and they're not able to stop it there. And it does happen at scale. And it's a very, what's happening in DeFi right now is very, very teeny, 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 tiny compared to what's going on in the fiat world, right? So um, some other sort of interesting points um, they did mention. So really what they're after here, what I got from this, what they what they really want, the action they want to see is they want to see KYC and AML for anything in DeFi. So they want permissioned wallets only, um, and uh, the, the, and which is which squares with what Mark Pesci told me. Uh, and if you recall, that's my friend who runs the uh, the the digital asset uh, part of the G20. Whenever they meet, he's the chairman, uh, or he has been in the past on several occasions. And he basically told me that FATF, the regulatory body that's international. Uh, there, what they really wanted to see was K KYC and AML applied to DeFi and everything in our space. Uh, it, it did. Now the report did not recommend that they get rid of the space that they outlawed entirely. Uh, and it even had some sort of forward looking things like for, you know, with respect to the KYC and AML, we could use, they want to see innovative solutions in order to solve that. And they were like, we should, we should support industry and coming up with solutions. And they pointed out, they specifically pointed out ZK proofs, 
uh, for a, a single KYC point. And for them, forever afterwards, you could use a ZK proof to verify your identity to other DeFi protocols without having to sort of go through the same process for every protocol one at a time. So they, they were there were some forward looking things in there. So but long story short, they lost their Panopticon when we all went DeFi and they want it back. That's what I got. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mark or Nick, you. Yeah. Um, your mouth. So I, I, I agree with. Um, yeah, I, I agree with everything Mark said. Um, this is actually this reports the first time that I didn't read it, read something end to end. I fed it into chat, chat GPT. Oh, and I good, said, good idea. Read yeah, it. I, I did too. Actually, actually, I'm lying. I'm lying. Suvlaki did it, and he yeah. sent me the summary. Um, so I read the summary, and it was pretty good. I'll, I'll make a couple of points. The and and you know, like we're on the same team, <laughs> but I, sometimes I get frustrated on 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 Twitter when you know everyone's jumped on that line that ninety nine percent of the money laundering happens within the traditional financial system or via cash. And as a result, we should leave DeFi alone and focus on that. Like, it's not really an argument. The, the, when you're trying to stop bad actors, there is very rarely something that you can do that eliminates the bad actors or the bad behavior. You put as many walls up as you can to try and make it as difficult as possible for criminals to do whatever they're going to do. You can never stop it. So because most of the action happens in the traditional world and we should leave DeFi alone, I kind of think, hmm, you know, it's kind of hard to move money around the world if you're a criminal. It was, it's a lot harder today than it was 10 years ago and it's certainly a lot harder than it was 30 years ago. So... Let me just steel man this for a second. If you're a good, a, a well-intentioned, um, you know, uh, uh, crime-fighting person and, and, you know, you're not disingenuous and you're trying to do good for the world, you're like, I've been working my ass off for 20 years to build walls around the traditional financial system to make it as difficult as possible for these, you know, um, drug cartels and all these other bad people in the world to move money around. And we've done a fairly good job to try and make it as difficult as possible. Now you've opened up this door and it's this easy to do, right? We should try and maybe throw up some walls over there as well. So I understand that argument. Um, and this, my argument only stands up is if they are well-intentioned and they're not using this as a smokescreen to right, take that's... away our freedoms and our, profit, and, and our privacy, right? So that point's not lost on me. But let's call a spade a spade. And yeah, it is much easier to move money around um, uh, across DeFi in the current environment. If so, so the second part of my point is there's it is easy if they tried because of everything is on the public ledger, right? If they tried, they could they, yeah, they could do, very they do easily. All the time. Yeah. So so there look. If that was my job, yeah, if I was running an anti-money laundering, if I was, you know, working at Interpol or something, it was my job to catch the bad guys, I'd be like, guys, low-hanging fruit, DeFi, we can spend six months, we can lock that shit down. That's what I do. Because, you know, that's my job. I'm trying I'm trying to set up. So I I get their argument in this. I also agree with Mark that, you know, it, it, it seemed to be fairly well-balanced. 
the stuff yeah, it, that they it, said it, made a lot of sense to me. It, it um, was. It, it was. I agree. And, but, you know, I, I don't want to have permission wallets. I, I want my privacy. I, I don't want to be surveilled with every dollar that I move around. But, you know, at some point, we've got to be practical and think about, you know, uh, what what does a compromise look like? If we don't want to live with a compromise, then we should stay take steps to stay ahead of whatever it is they're going to do. Um, yeah. Which, by the way, I do which, personally. Which is laid out. And so, so for me, key takeaways: like they've laid out the framework of, of where the focus is. Like, there's the there there are no surprises coming. If you want to know what they're focused on, it's it's laid out. There's 36 pages. Like, you could either plug it in ChatGPT or you could spend the hour, or however long it takes you to read it. Uh, and so, you know, KYC, AML. Like, look, like I don't necessarily have a problem with with KYC. Like, I you know. I, I don't know if I'm the only one, but I pay my taxes. Like, like, look, if they want to, if they want to figure out who I am, I'm pretty damn sure they can do that, whether I KYC or not. Uh, every every piece of data is on chain. My money's going to ultimately come out of, of a centralized exchange. It's going to go to a bank. Like, nothing that's happening is so under the radar that like I need to be overly concerned as a user. Now, if you're going to use it as a way to destroy the industry. That is a different conversation, and if it's a uh, you know if this is if this is building the choke point 2.0 narrative to further push the we have to cripple this space because it is completely the wild wild west and we will not be able to ever regulate it. Well, then that is a different scenario, and so it depends on the the approach and what they are trying to achieve, and then what they do to achieve that. Uh, look, there's not going to be some global coming to compliance DeFi like um, you know epiphany. It's not going to happen. They might force it in the United States, and then every DeFi company leaves, and that probably will happen. Um, but I, I personally don't have a huge problem with KYC because if the government wanted to come after me, they could figure out who I am. Everything's on chain, like Silk Road. Go read the books. Yeah, I kind of agree. Like, yeah, I, think, I mean, so this is the stick. The carrot is. If we all, you know, permit KYC, then provide rails in a way for institutions to yep. plow major dollars into the DeFi space. That's that's what we want to hear, right? Yep. So I, I think, and I and I think that can happen. I now, think these are two sides of one coin. Now, pair pair KYC with zero knowledge, and now we're talking. If I if yeah. I am a hexanumerical code and yep. not a person, great. Like now we've got a solution in which I think feels better. Nick, go ahead. Yeah, just just to kind of round this out. Um, yeah. Let's finish it up. We we the industry doesn't do itself any favors either. We can yeah. dunk on yeah. you know all of this, but every time a protocol gets hacked, the fucking money ends up in North Korea. You know, I think the 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 Euler hacker donated money to North Korea before he gave it all back. So so the delta between what he stole and what he gave back, or she. Is it was sent to North Korea as a donation. Yeah. So we don't do ourselves any favors. Yeah. Um, whether it's you know, all of these all of these exploits up the security. Time, up the security. I, I, I actually don't even know if it always goes to North Korea, but that's what they always fucking say. Yeah. And, yeah. and and again, if I'm in law enforcement and I'm trying to protect, you know, the citizens of the nation that I live in and I'm a good actor, I'm looking at that and I'm going. Fuck, we're working so hard to choke these guys, you know, um, to, to, to suffocate these guys and make it difficult for them to hurt us. 
And we've got this gap over here and we've got all these unforced errors. So I get it. I think increased security, obviously. And let's just try and, you know, um, be responsible actors. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and because right now it's just unforced error after unforced error. The next topic, um, you know, Custodia Bank, which I'm sure you're going to uh, introduce in a minute, Clay, is I put it in that category of unforced errors. But anyway... I, I I get frustrated with really? the industry sometimes. Yeah. So okay. so so rounding this out, I, I uh, the the framework is laid out like look all the agendas are moving in the same direction. It's 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 um, you you can see the regulation that that is trying to be put in place, um, and you know either um, the U.S. is going to shift all DeFi offshore, which actually will make things worse. It's uh, like that. That's that's every action has an equal but opposite reaction type scenario. Um, and so uh, it'll be interesting to see how it, how it is played out. But I would love to see zero knowledge advance as a tech uh, as a middle ground for something like this when it comes to KYC. So uh, if you haven't read the report, go read it. If you're lazy, put it in chat with GPT. I wouldn't blame you. It's all good. Uh, so before we get into Custodia Bank, because that's a that's a fascinating one. I want to use just a quick round of, of something uh, positive. Uh, who do you guys so like which chain protocol person? Uh, in crypto has impressed you the most in 2023 and you get two minutes max mark yeah i mean i i, I gotta say i mean i go back to libra right and i know that's sort of an oddball one uh and, and you know you know i know the, the people behind it so libra for those of you who don't know is a, a bitcoin layer two so you know their pitch is fast bitcoin fast tether human usable addresses uh and now they're doing stuff with ordinals i've actually seen some stuff uh, that's coming out that I can't talk about because I haven't released it yet. Uh, but it is pretty massively impressive. It makes ordinals, you know, as easy to use as, you know, uh, domains, uh, you know, like uh, regular, regular, like, um, you know, GoDaddy domains, but in the, in the, you know, the Bitcoin ordinal domain space, uh, as well as the Bitcoin ordinal NFTs. So I really like the fact that they've made a cash app uh, like experience out of Bitcoin using a layer two. Um, and you know, they've basically taken Bitcoin and made it so, uh, so easy to use that you could actually pay for, you know, a candy bar at the gas station with a Bitcoin and it, it would take half of a second. That's pretty uh, cool. But I, I don't think they've gotten enough credit for what they've done. So. All right. I like it. Nick. Um, I'll give you two. Um, I think, I think Brian Armstrong and his team at Coinbase, um, especially over the last couple of months, saying the right things, behaving the right way. Um, and, and I know that they're fighting with a hand, to, a hand tied behind their back because they are a publicly listed company. There is, they, it's very difficult for them to take the gloves off. Um, and, and it really shouldn't be them front and centre taking this on because of that. There's a lot that they can't say and they can't do, especially publicly. So the fact that they've said, hey, no one else is kind of equipped to, to handle this fight right now. Um, we're going to lead the charge and hope everyone else follows. Um, I find that quite admirable. Uh, full disclosure, I own Coinbase bonds. Um, so that's impressive. Um, and, and the second one is you know something we've talked a decent amount uh, about on, on the show is, you know, the guys at Phantom, um, you know, uh, 
Andre Kwan, who, who we all love, um, just kind of head down building the marketing fluff stopped at the end of last year, just all business. I've been using Phantom the last few weeks, actually transacting, um, not messing around and gas spikes and things like that. It never costs more than a cent or two to, to execute a transaction. It's fast. There's a lot of opportunities um, on there. Uh, yeah. Very pleased to see, you know, Blake and the team at Equalizer ship their V2 yesterday. Like it's just, it's, it makes me happy when things work, it's cheap, yeah. there's opportunities and, and everyone's kind of not really working together because it's still like a competitive landscape, but just the vibe around Phantom right now um, makes me smile. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Agree completely. Uh, and, and that's it's, good because we know those guys. It's a, it's a breath of fresh air to go back to the chain and uh, go use other pr proof of stake chains and have, and change your RPC four times and have your own custom chain stack RPC and have shit still fail. It is so frustrating. So agree with you there. Uh, I, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, uh, I, I, well, I, Brian Armstrong was on my list. Coinbase was on my list, Nick. Um, uh, I would say also, and, and, and probably lesser known, um, Thorchain. So basically a settlement layer, a, a DEX that facilitates swaps between eight different chains in the native token and, and asset infrastructure. Uh, it's not talked about enough. It's not used enough. Um, you can buy native Bitcoin. You can buy native Ethereum. You don't have to buy the wrapped versions of these things. You can trade independently amongst these assets. Uh, and it's, it's a little hard to figure out because you got to connect two different wallet types depending on the chain. But but it's a damn good solution, and it's impressive what they've built. Um, and I think they've done a little over a billion dollars in, in volume in Q1, uh, and they are growing. And so Thorchain and, and Eric Voorhees is one that I've been very impressed with in 20, 2023. Um, I think, uh, Mark, I'm sure you probably you know, know, know of them. Um, uh, another one for me, and, and it's not big, is Gains Network. Um, I think that... Uh, with the fall of, of FTX and all of the, the problems we've seen with centralized exchanges, there's a massive opportunity for leveraged perpetual trading DEXs. Um, Gains Network has more products than anybody else. They don't have the TVL, but they've got more Forex uh, stocks and, and, and sort of multi-chain options. Well, they went multi-chain, but they got more crypto Forex and stock choices uh, to trade on than Didex and, uh, and, and um, GMX. And so I've been very impressed with the way that they've built their products. Uh, and then lastly, uh, the Byte Masons. And, and obviously, it's a bit of a Homer response for me because we're friends. But, um, you know, they just released Ethos Reserve. I believe so, so deeply that the stablecoin industry is one of the biggest risk uh, areas we have in this space, if not the biggest, uh, outside of like complete regulation and shutdown from the government. Uh, because... You know, fiat-tied stablecoins are uh, just—they're—they're—they're they're, they're a way—they're a means to an end to this space. Because all you have to do is take out two of the—you know—one of the two major ones, uh, and watch what happens after a DPEG. And so, seeing the release of um, of Ethos Reserve and Earn is pretty exciting. Um, and I like the the flywheel ecosystem they're building with with Relicry combined with Granary for lending uh, and and. Um, um, what am I forgetting? Uh, Reperform for auto compounding. So you're going to see this ecosystem flywheel thing, and it's going to all come together, and it's going to make sense when it does. And and they've built slowly, and nobody else does that. And and so the, so those are those are my three. Uh, so we'll we'll leave it there. 
there has been impressive things in 2023, and uh, I appreciate you guys being candid on the responses. Let's jump over to, to something that I find fascinating. Um, I did a 43-minute rundown on how the Fed caused the banking crisis. Uh, and if you, if you haven't watched it, um, there's a lot of very interesting things in it uh, about monetary policy shifts, changes made after the global financial crisis and in 2020, uh, particularly with bank reserves and, and, and how we got in this situation uh, as far as bank insolvencies. So it's available on YouTube. Go to BlockBytes, watch it if you'd like. Uh, it's fascinating, I think. But uh, Custodia Bank, who uh, was going the opposite route of what you know banks are today was denied um, basically um, a, a master account, which allows you to transfer money, you know, bank to bank on traditional rails, which you need if you want to be a legitimate bank uh, and, and interoperable with the Fed. What's what's different about these folks is that they were uh, also going to actually have customer deposits backed by a dollar eight in cash for every deposit on hand. That is not how the banking system works. Uh, so if if we actually had that, then a bank run wouldn't actually be a problem, would it? And so it's fascinating to me that they were denied uh, that master account. Is it? Why do you think it is? Obviously, crypto is the easy answer, but but is there is there something else? There is something else. So this is this is the point of Lynn Alden. Um, so she said that basically, you know, Custody was proposing a hundred and eight percent collateralization of whatever assets that they took in from customers. Um, so what, what that would mean though, is that um, if you have your, if you have your money in another bank, which is not so backed and uh, why would you leave your money there? Right? Because if your money is in a normal bank, you're effectively a forced investor and a leveraged treasury bond hedge fund, as we all found which out. Is what our banks are recently, now. right? That's what banks are, right? Correct. We, a lot of us didn't really know that or feel that in our gut the way, um, it, it, this whole lesson with Silicon Valley Bank that woke a lot of people up. A lot of people did not understand that. Now, uh, what Custodia has proposed is is not that they're just they hold your assets on hand, uh, and they have a little extra on top of that. However, why wouldn't everybody just go put their money in that bank? And Lynn Alden's point is the Federal Reserve actually doesn't like the existence of that bank because it would tend to pull business away from all these other banks and all their friends. And the way they make money is through their leveraged treasury bond hedge fund, right? Yeah. So they actually don't want it to exist. That's one of the big reasons why, yeah. right? And then, you know, but the other thing to point out here is that um, once you, as a bank, get your state approval uh, and you go to get your uh, Federal Reserve master account, uh, it's actually illegal for them to deny it to you if your state has approved it to you. So this was this sort thing. of a stunning thing, right? I don't, I don't know. I don't know yeah. what checks and balances are on that, yeah. but it is in fact illegal. So bank regulators right now are abusing their power. Uh, they're effectively legislating what is and is not acceptable um, out, outside of the mandate that they've been given by Congress. Yep. Yep. So I, so Mark, I agree with you, Nick, I don't know. It looks you got that look on your face. I don't, I don't know what's about to happen next, man. But I, so I, I have, a, I have a lot of points to make on this, Nick, Give me whatever you got, because I want to see if I need to add that into what I'm going to say. Go ahead. So a few minutes ago, I said unforced errors. Now, um, sure, they don't want a crypto-friendly bank. We're not going to, you know, we don't need to argue that point. So let's say that 
they are going to try everything within their power to restrict the activities of anyone that's trying to help this industry. That sucks. But let's say that that's what they were trying to do. If you're going up against that, you need to get your shit tight, right? You need to go in there and you need to preempt all of the crap that's going to get thrown out, that, that's going to get thrown at you. The bar is higher. You should be prepared to go to war. Now, the the let me just find where the body that released it. So the, the, the Federal Reserve System released a paper, 84, 86 pages. I read all of it. This is before I worked out how to use ChatGPT a week ago. Um, I read it all. And it goes into great detail explaining why they denied this specific application. They make these decisions. I didn't know any of this until I read the paper, by the way, um, on, on four factors. Managerial factor, financial factor, corporate powers factor, and the convenience and needs factor. And Custodia failed on all four of these tests. You need to pass all of them. They failed on all, was unanimous. And they spend 86 pages explaining why. So on the managerial factor, the executives at this bank, um, they vet all the people running the bank, right? You got to go in there and they need to understand your background, your experience, et cetera. And, and, and the, the, whatever it is, the committee um, basically says that there is a, a extreme, they use the word extreme deficiencies in the banking experience of the executive team, lack of any track record of running a bank before and lack of the ability to demonstrate the ability to manage risks. So they're basically saying, you guys, we don't know any of you guys. So again, unforced error. If you're going to go no, no, up but that how is that an error? We don't know you and we don't like you is not an error. No, That's no, a subjective not... opinion. It, yeah, but Mark, you've got to understand that you've got to play the game. If you're going to go up against these eight or nine people, whoever the hell it is, and you want them to give you this thing, there's no, you should give it to me before because I deserve it. You got to work no, out. No, no, because your state can... regulators have granted you the license. You should give it well, to you. It's this, this is my, my point is my, my point is right. You go and find a absolute um, killer of a CEO executive that has an unblemished twenty-five year record, and you put him up, and you say, "Go on, go on, D don't approve him, reject him." I dare you, but no. That's not what they did. So that's an unforced error as far as I'm concerned. The second okay. factor, fi financial factor. Um, and this is an important one. When they're trying to assess the risk of these banks that they accept, their point is that this particular bank had a concentration of assets, liabilities, product offerings, customers, revenues, geography, or business activity without effective mitigants. Um, uh, so they look at those factors and they say, do you have concentration in any of these things that could pose a risk to your organization? Um, and when they looked at their operations, they're like, well, yeah, you've got concentration of customers, you've got concentration of assets, you've got, um, you know, zero diversification in your business. So it's a so Silicon Valley bank. And it just went under. And Right, but Custodia would not go under because it's 180% backed. So therefore, that so argument falls apart. Just to be clear, Mark, I'm not saying that they should have been okay. rejected. I'm saying that, you know, the, the the people that put forward this application should have 
understood that these guys are going to poke holes into everything that was included in the application and they should try and hedge against it. Yeah. Um, and Understood. they actually, and, and and then they go, the assets that this bank holds are volatile assets, right? And then they go and they cite FTX and BlockFi and Voyager and Celsius. So again, custodians fighting with a hand time behind their back because anytime anyone goes and tries to do something legitimate, they hold up all these disasters that have happened last year. So that's unfortunate for them and, un and unlucky. So they failed on the financial factor because of that. Then they've got this yeah. thing called corporate powers factor, which it goes to the... So they've said, we're going to have $108 of, of reserves for every for, for every $100 that we take in deposits, right? Um, that's a good thing. Here's the problem. <clears throat> They're doing that because they don't qualify for uninsured... They don't, they don't qualify for insured deposits. So Custodius basically said, we're not going to have our deposits insured under the federal system because we don't need to, because we're going to have this over-collateralized, right. So we don't need it to be insured. Here's the problem, unforced error. Within the charter of how they give away these, these licenses, one of the mandates is that you need to have insured deposits. That way we know that if you guys mess up for whatever reason, depositors can be made whole using this system. So custodian's position is we don't want to partake in that system. We're going to have our own system. And these guys said, we don't trust that you guys know what you're doing and you might screw it up anyway. And now no one has insurance. So that is how they use, again, unforced error. The, the fourth one is convenience and needs factor. This one basically says you need to be providing some kind of value to the community, right? Why do you exist? Are you doing the same thing everyone else is doing? You need to prove that you're providing a need. On this one, they were very cheeky, and they basically said, well, you don't have insured deposits, so you're not safe. If you're not safe, then it's not useful, and if it's not useful, it's not needed. So you fail on that count as well. So my point, Mark, is that um, these guys went in unprepared, right? Their team should have known that they needed to satisfy this long list of things, and they should have had very good answers, um, knowing that the other side's going to play dirty. And they're going to poke holes in everything you did. Um, so, you know, I think they need to take another run at it. And all of these things are rectifiable. Yeah, you can diversify your business. You can get an executive team with experience that they wouldn't dare mm -hmm. reject. You can you can fix these things. Yeah. So, um, you I'm, know, I'm going to jump yeah. in and can, may I? Uh, I want. I want exactly. to. I have to respond to Nick. Just give me one second. So, and, and Nick, look, you know, you know, I feel the love, so I'm not attacking you. But I, you know, I, I, I can't help but wonder whether this response was capricious and malicious. And, and I don't know if it was or not. I have no proof one way or the other. I've just seen Caitlin Long, who is the person who runs Custodio Bank, so often. She is so incredibly well prepared and well informed and well spoken that I'm having a hard time believing that she did such a poor job on this application. So I, I don't I don't know what to make of what you just said. Well, I so yeah. I, I want to jump in Let, and be Clay, give me a sec. Give me a sec. Give, give me a sec. No, because like I, I kind of I, I agree with Mark on that, but when you read this thing, it, mm -hmm. it's it goes through every single business line and it says this sucks, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks, with reasoning. And and my thinking is, you know, not even one win. There's nothing in there that they said you satisfied this particular requirement. So 
I don't know if it's malicious. It probably is. But if that's the fight that I'm going to go and fight, I, I, I don't want to get rejected that way. I want it to be close. And from what I read, they annihilated this application, which sucks. Yeah, so like, I'm going go to jump in and be the middle person here. Uh, I mean, not, not that either of you are really too far on one side or the other. I would, I would say I think you have uh, a differing opinion. Look, we weren't in the room. We don't know how the meeting went. But if you've seen the movie Old School, uh, if your fraternity is going to be you know, either accepted or rejected to be kicked off campus and you've got Dean Pritchard as your uh, judge as you know, how things go down, well, that's what I effectively you know, view the Fed in, at, as in this scenario when it comes to particularly a crypto bank. Uh, and, and, and to the point of the, to, to being backed, right, fully backed, we wouldn't have the banking crisis we have right now if banks were fully backed, obviously, right? But this goes against the framework of what the Fed wants. Like this, like we've seen over, um, you know, the the wealth gap, the, the gap in wealth is growing at a, such a massive rate. So so money is created via bank loans. Banks basically basically create new money electronically. You, you get a loan, they type in a number. Number is an electric, you know, it's electric money, uh, and ninety seven percent of money is created this way. More loans equals more debt equals more money. And if there's no debt, we don't have an economy. And interest payments are basically renting money from the bank and thus renting, renting money from the Fed. That is not what this bank wanted to do. And so this breaks with the traditional system of how the of, of basically how this economy continues to, you know, this monopoly money that we've created continues to exist. And in 2020, the Fed did away with all deposit requirements, 0%. Reduced reserve requirement ratios to zero percent effective March 2020 uh, on all net transaction accounts, which are debit card accounts. It is our the accounts you and I use. So uh, why did they do that? Um, they did that basically. Um, so this is the, this is the concerns that they had uh, about Custodia Bank. I'll skip that, but um, you know I think like there's there was a recommendation on on reserve requirements should and must be set to zero. Uh, and basically, you know, it, it goes on to say that, uh, you know, there's good legal reason why this should be done, but specifically doing so will help avo avoid f further turmoil in money markets, reduce the extent the Fed must blow up its balance sheet and in increase the supply of credit to the real economy uh, and improve bank liquidity. Well, how do they do that? Excess reserves, bank deposits at the Federal Reserve uh, in excess of required reserves are not only included in, in uh in uh, HQLAs, but are also considered the safest asset and most liquid asset a bank can hold. So basically, they cut the re reserve requirements to 0%. They said, come out and get bonds from the Fed. Uh, let's expand the debt so we can keep this, uh, you know, this, this fictitious economy that we've got going, going. Um, and they switched from something, uh, uh, they switched to something called the ample reserves framework. Uh, where before you had to have you know X amount of cash on hand, and now you don't. So rather, in the ample reserves framework, the Fed uses uh, its administrative rates, which is interest uh, on returns rate, and the overnight reserves. So basically, like they can now control the market with the Fed funds rate because they don't have to worry about um, uh, the amount of reserves on hand. And so, like I, I guess what I'm saying is, I feel like this bank broke so far from the model of how the Fed has set up the economy to exist and expand that they would never want anything like this to be 
allowed period even if they had the even if the the head of jp morgan left and walked in that room as the head of custodia i still think they would say no because uh, it doesn't fit into to how you know, like if you continue down this paper like this is how the fed wants banks to operate deposit funds and and earn interest from the fed loan to a bank on an overnight market at the fed funds rate or invest in treasury bills and those are your options and this and if you have a dollar eight uh on, you know on hand you don't have to do any of that and so i think it falls so far out of the confines of of where they control uh the fed funds rate and basically can can continue the money printing and the credit scenario that they need to expand the economy and so like i i, I think they were doomed from the start because they're completely outside of the framework of what the fed wants to see you're you're right clay and they didn't do themselves any favors in 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 the report, it says admission of uninsured deposits, right? Um, a, a, a admission of an uninsured deposit-taking institution to this body is unprecedented. It has never happened since its inception right. in 1933. So, if you're in the if you're on the blue team and you're going, hey, we got to get in here, we got to take on Dean Pritchard. You should probably go in with something that's been done in the last hundred years yeah. as a start well, because you know that they don't like you. You know they don't want to let you in. So I 100% agree with Mark. Um, and and my, my point is just that, you know, we shouldn't, but we should be trying a little harder because we know that these pricks aren't going to let us take it. Yeah. And, and, and so I think we're all in agreement on that. I mean, let's let's be honest. So the 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 limited reserves framework is what we used to have. You used to have to have you know thirteen uh, percent fractional reserve lending. Thank you. Yes, uh, but limited reserves framework. That's that's sort of what the Fed the Fed calls it. But it leans on the Federal Reserve to use open market operations to make adjustments to supply reserves uh, to ensure the Fed fund rate is meeting the FOMC target. And so basically, uh, when they got away from this. They basically, the ample reserve framework re relies on the Federal Reserve's administrative rates, in particular, uh, the interest on return rate to influence the Fed funds rate. So you can basically, they can, can as a central entity, they can control the economy through, through where the Fed fund rate is. They don't have to worry about supply cash on hand and move the Fed funds rate around. So if you want to keep it at zero for, for th three years is what we did and print unlimited money, you can do that. And so I think that custodians model was so outside the framework of what uh, is, is, you know, is propping up this, uh, this, this puppet show that we have right now in fiat that they're, they're, they were, they were dead from the start and then add crypto to that. Uh, and, and, it, you know, it made it even worse. And my, my, my favorite part of, of this whole thing is like the positioning of the government is always so amazing. Uh, the, the way the fed implements monetary policy has changed. It is important for teachers and professors to understand the current framework so they're teaching students uh, accurately. Here we have provided a discussion of key concepts of ample reserve regime and contrasted from the old and new frameworks uh, to support instructors in this endeavor. So let's, let's create this new system, let's sell it in, uh, and let's make sure people understand that this is the way we're doing it. Uh, and by the way, you don't need reserves anymore because they don't matter because there's never gonna be a bank run. Uh, and so, you know, the whole thing is so insane. Um, and, insane. and so I, and Clay, yeah, it's not just, it's not just the Fed, right? If you're yeah. part of this system or the big banks, you don't want more people becoming a member of this system. 
Right. right. Mark made the point earlier that if there was a bank that existed that, you know, had this over collateralized balance sheet, that would be attractive to yeah. people. Very. People would deposit their money there. So if you're a bank that would lose out in that scenario, you would lobby this body using, you know, whatever means at your disposal um, to block that application. So these poor folks at Custodia, and I don't know Caitlin Long, but I follow her on Twitter. And yes, yeah, I agree. She seems quite impressive. But there needs to be a recognition that you're running uphill. This is going to be really hard. They're not going to give it. And and you need to, unfortunately, play the damn game. I, I love the analogy, um, uh, Clay. Dean Pritchard is right. The same thing happens if you're trying to enter some kind of exclusive club or some kind yeah. of homeowners association or, you know, whatever it is, any club that you need to enter. Go be a member of Augusta. You got you got to do you got to do the dance. Yeah, that it sucks, but you got to do the dance. Otherwise, they're going to rip it apart. So, um, I I would yeah. love to talk to Caitlin. I've never met her. I've I've seen her speak. She seems, to Mark's point, exceptionally intelligent. Um, and and I would love to have her on this show. And and Mark, I, maybe we can make that happen someday. We might be uh, able to. I, but, we have like, a way to get to her. The one the one piece that I don't know. And, and what I would like to like the, the missing piece for me is how does custodia bank make money? If you, if you're going to hold that much cash on hand as reserves, then how are you making money? Is it fees? Is it something else? Because the fed would like you to do this. They want you to come out and, and get so, uh, you know, so entrenched in, in treasury bills that you are dependent on, you know, on, on overnight, on, on repo, on overnight, you know, swaps, all that sort of stuff, right? Like, they're, they're ne you have to suckle the teeth so hard that you can never leave the system. That's uh, an interesting it, point. It's like an MLM. Yes, it, it, dude, that's, <laughs> we, that's what they've created. And, and this has all been orchestrated since 2009. I'm telling you, go watch the thing that I did. Since 2009 forward, this has been in motion. And it all ends right here, and we're not, and I'm not going to, we don't need to talk about Fed now and 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 CBDCs, but it all ends here, and 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 the trail of breadcrumbs is, is so clear, it's so transparent, it's so public, and that's the that's the best part about this world. Every bit of this shit is right in front of us. You can go find all the information you mm -hmm. want, uh, and 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 they don't try to hide it because people, most people are, you know, you know what most people like to do: sit on their couch, watch Netflix, eat pizza go on a cruise once a year like that's good enough and unless you live your life differently and you want to wake up from the from the matrix and unplug and say one cruise a year isn't going to work for me i'd like to live a better life and we've got to get out of that system and unfortunately the way that we have the way that that the government has created this this you know this dependency starting with banks who establish credit which establishes debt which then means I have to go get a loan to do anything I want as asset prices rise and the dollar value decreases means that we are all crippled. And so a bank that changes that, that changes that narrative, that, that changes the, the opportunity for them to control the system is a threat. And, and as we see, anything that is a threat must be removed. Uh, and question. so I don't know how Custodio makes money. That is a very good question. It's, it's in, it, Mark, because you're interested in this, read the report because they actually go into sure. it under the under the financial factor. They break down all of their business lines, and and they point out that some of these things would be unprofitable, and as a result, that would make the bank unstable. 
and therefore it doesn't satisfy these these requirements. Um, so, you know, but I I I agree with both of you. I, I I like it, Clay. When you get when you get passionate, I can see that you know this isn't just this isn't just an exercise for you. Like, yeah, you kind of you 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 you've seen yeah, like you've seen the light, Clay. Yeah, man, because like it's true. Like, we shouldn't live in a world where someone comes up with potentially a better model for a bank and, you know, if you read this report, it's like, you guys don't know what the fuck yeah, you're doing and he's, 88 pages, he's 86 pages wide. Yes, and, that, that, and that application was denied before they walked in the door. Like there, there was our, there was a behind, there was a behind, uh, the, you know, in the, in the inner walls decision made and, 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 and I'm making an assumption, but I, I think that is probably true. And Nick, you make very valid points. You could like, you know what you're up against. If you're going to, you know, if you're going to go to whatever exclusive club and try to get a membership, you better have talked to some other members and figure out what the hell you need to say to get that job or to get that, you know, exclusive, whatever it may be. Um, you got to do the dance, man. But, it sucks, but you got to do the dance. And, and you know, the, the, the other thing is that, um, yeah, I just forgot. <clears throat> go on. So, <laughs> so point, you know, the last thing, so you brought up passion. You brought up the fact that, like, this does matter to me. And I, I quit my job this year, and, and it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll be one year in about seven days. I quit my job. I moved across country and a whole bunch of other things. And I put my... I, I decided the risk was worth the squeeze to start this company, to come on this show, to have these conversations, and to talk to you guys and hang out with everybody who's here. Uh, and thank you for all everybody that tunes in and watches. But as I've gone further down this road, I, I've realized how how messed up this system is to ensure that most people don't succeed. And and that is what that's why I'm passionate is because. I am fighting for dear life to grow this company, to make a great product, to do all the things we need to do, to not have to raise money, all those sort of things. And you see the, the blockers that are put in place so the top one to 2% can continue to extract value out of the system. If you want to talk about maximum extracted value, it's them extracting value from us. We are, we are the collective pool of MEV. It's not a blockchain thing. It is a global bank world government thing and Damn. that is what i have that's what i've realized and i've stayed in brother I, i've stayed up till three in the morning reading about this stuff like i don't i, I don't sleep that great anymore anyway but like <laughs> it's it's just one of those things that um it's become exceptionally clear to me and if we don't wake up if we don't stop eating netflix and chilling uh we will wake up one day and, and we're going to be in a system that we have no control and, and, and we're quickly, I think, headed there. Um, and so, you know, say what you will, the beautiful part about being unplugged is that at least we can make some financial decisions that hopefully shield us from whatever comes next. And to me, that is Bitcoin. Uh, and that is part of the reason that we do this every Friday. Uh, and hopefully you guys find it informative and the topics are good. And if they aren't, then let me know because that would be uh, no good. So uh, so that's what I have to say, man. But there's there's a lot there and the evidence is there. And uh, and I encourage you to go 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 look at the video about how the banking crisis was caused by the Fed. And if you don't want to watch the video, I put every link in there. Just go read the docs, man. It's it's clear as day. Um, and so I, I, I root for Custodia Bank. I would love to have Caitlin on the show to explain to us 
uh, how that meeting went, if she's even allowed to, because I know that they actually have a lawsuit against the Fed right now uh, to 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 reopen this uh, this this approval. Um, and and I'm very interested to see how it goes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it there. I think uh, we're at the hour of forty mark. Holy crap! Uh, I was gonna talk about Sailor owning one and one uh, one in every one hundred fifty Bitcoin. Uh, unfortunately, even if we talk about it. I don't know what conclusions we can draw besides what what's his exit strategy. Uh, and I'm not sure that we could even say if he did want to exit, what would that do to Bitcoin price? Because we don't have quantcast or uh, uh, um, crypto quant charts pulled up about Bitcoin inflows and outflows. So I don't know if we can even do it justice. But he does own one in every uh, 150, which is wild. Uh, and you gotta you gotta give the guy uh, credit for conviction because he certainly gets the uh, the award for that. Uh, and and listen. Maybe he comes out on the other end as the smartest guy to ever live. Like he's the one that said uh, the ultimate hedge against everything I just described is going to be Bitcoin. And I'm going to be the largest holder of Bitcoin in the world. And maybe he'll be right. And, and we'll see how that plays out. And so at, if you guys at, have at any price, response, please. At what price do you think he becomes? 29452 No, no. no. At, at what price does he become the richest guy in the world? Oh, <laughs> Well, I mean, well, so I mean, it's not his Bitcoin though; it's MicroStrategy's Bitcoin. So, well, I guess what share price does MicroStrategies go to? Is is you know, like well, how did how much how much MicroStrategies did he own? I think he owns like 40 percent of it. I think that's right. Yeah. So, if this thing does like a twenty x, yeah, he's he's probably worth a couple hundred billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and having look, if if if. Let's say that scenario plays out and the richest man in the world becomes Michael Saylor, who's the biggest proponent of Bitcoin. That, that's a net positive for crypto, man. Like, like Elon Musk sure. is a net positive for freedom. Elon, like, I don't care what anybody says. Uh, he calls out the bullshit. And if you don't like Dogecoin, it doesn't really matter to me. Uh, he's got the, he owns the company. He can make decisions to change the logo as he sees fit. If he wants to put, uh, you know, a banana up there, it's, it's his choice. Uh, and so I like I like people who uh, want to be contrarian against against what we see in in a, in a very like an increasingly tyrannical world. Um, and so I like what Sailor's done, and, and I agree with you, Nick. He could end up being the richest person in the world if this goes that, this route. Mark, I'm going to give you closing thoughts, uh, and then let's get out of here. I can't believe we ended up back at Dogecoin. I, I'm just <laughs> impressed. I'm I'm amazed and impressed that we have bookended this show at the beginning and the end with Dogecoin. That's all I have to say. All right. Well, um, guys, if you're watching this, hit the like button, please. Uh, we very much appreciate it. Uh, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you. Um, Block Bites has been a absolute blast to do. The daily show is so fun. It's only going to get better. We are, we are increasingly uh, upping our research. We're increasingly trying to become more prepared every single day so we can help either explain things more simply, make you smarter, help you be better investors, and help ourselves uh, do the same. Hopefully, uh, I'm going to pull up Nick's giveaway. If you have not typed in hashtag Revelo to the chat, uh, do that now because we are going to give away a membership. Uh, Nick is building an amazing platform from an incredibly smart human. Uh, if you watch the show and you don't think that, then you are nuts. And uh, let me see if I share the right screen because this is one of the things I'm worst at. Uh, where are we at here? Na -na -na -na. Where is the giveaway? Guys, uh, give some banter while I, follow, while I find this. Oh, the button, sorry. Man. 
<laughs> yeah. Mark, on on the custodia thing, like oh, I, I don't know anything about okay. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. No, I don't know here. anything about the, the 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 legal part that you mentioned, you know, yeah. where if you've got the state thing, you should get the federal thing. But the courts will work that out. Like you can litigate that and it sounds like they're gonna she do is that. litigating. Oh yeah, she's she's yeah, on, it's, she it's, has it's, filed every lawsuit possible. Yes. So and, yeah. So you know we'll find that. out. I, I, I saw her on, on, it was either MSNBC or CNBC or, or, or one of the news channels of which I despise. Uh, and, and she's incredibly impressive. Um, and, and so I'm, 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 this is one I'm, I will follow closely uh, because it's, you know, it's, it, it, I'm, just, I, I'm not shocked that the outcome, the initial outcome is exactly what I thought it would be. Uh, but let's see how it goes. So uh, type in hashtag Revelo on, if you haven't already, uh dance puppet dance that's correct uh and you know and get access to one of the most incredible uh research tools in all of crypto uh and you know what have a thesis have an investment strategy stick with it uh and be patient and this this platform affords you that opportunity to get smarter about what you're doing uh so go ahead and uh type it in i see why do i see zero entries nobody entered Come on, people. Get a free thing. This is awesome. Plenty of people have done the hashtag, Clay. Maybe it's not working. I don't want to click. I don't want to, like, click reload because I don't know what will happen. Uh, we're going to do this. Hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try to backdoor the system. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to SBF it. Uh, da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's a verb now. Two, two it's SBF. a verb now. Je SBF, two FBF. All right, this one actually shows 14 entrants. Guys, there's 57 of you here. This is an expensive membership. If only 14 of you are gonna are gonna try, then uh, more power. Your your odds just exponentially up for people that did type in hashtag Revelo to the chat. Thank you for the music. God damn, God damn it, Mikey! Why why did you put us in it? I mean it too. Oh my God, you guys are you guys are this too much. This doesn't work very well, Clay. It, it is, it's working just fine. Don't. Yeah. Don't, yeah, we're good. I've seen it work. It works okay. All right, we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do ten more seconds and uh, and we're gonna hit the draw button. Uh, Mikey, would you stop putting us in the draw? <laughs> Mikey's uh, gone rogue. All right, they're, there's they're, they're rolling in here, uh, guys. If I can ask one thing of all of you. You know, when we put out tweets about this show, retweet us, man. Tell your friends about the show. Like, let's. I, I, I want. I want to get this show to a minimum of 100 people watching live. That's the goal by the end of April. Uh, everything you can do to support us would be awesome, and I appreciate it. So, uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and, and run this bad boy because we got. I got a haircut in a bit, and and I, and I bet Nick needs to go to dinner. So uh, let's get this rolling. <laughs> Boom. Drum roll, please. Not Nick and not Block Bites. Not Nick and not Block Bites. And... We have a winner. All right. Basat. Congratulations, my friend. Uh, well done. Well done. Uh, well done. And I think you will be excited to use the platform. And it's fantastic. So, Nick, how do you want to, uh, how do you want to do this, buddy? You want them to just... Uh, just either, listen, just either type in your Twitter handle right here, right now. Or send Nick or a DM. DM me. Yeah, DM me on Twitter at Nick Drake on. Um, all right, so yeah, bro, type in your Twitter handle on here if you can in the in the chat comments. All right, I'm gonna wrap this up, guys. 
this has been a powerful episode. This has been a fun episode. This has been one of those that that I think the passion rings. You know, it, it should shine through. That's the goal of this show, uh, and we want to continue to bring awesome content every single day. We're always live at noon, um, noon Eastern. That is, um, you know, tune in, check it out. Let us know what you think. Share your feedback. If there's something specific you want to see. Don't don't send it to my DMs. Just tweet at me. Uh, I, I know, I'm so bad at checking DMs. Like if you want DeFi tutorial videos, uh, if you want a specific topic on a daily show, tweet at me. Let me know. Let's make it happen. Uh, we appreciate all of you. Hit the like button. Subscribe to the channel. Share this with your parents. Do what you need to do. Have a great weekend, guys. Thank you so much, Mikey. Let's get out of here. Bye.